whistleblower report exposing lies, deceptions, and all that has assaulted our way of life. We must take back our freedom and live as God designed in a free America that honors our Constitution and our Creator. Our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to the Whistleblower Report on America Out Loud Talk Radio every day, Monday through Friday at 12 noon and 12 midnight Eastern Time, brought to you from Truth for Health Foundation, www.truthforhealth.org. We are presenting experts from many fields, reports from the military, medicine, law, faith, pediatrics, the environment, and more, as we seek to bring you the truth and balanced information with medically sound approaches for treatment to help you stay healthy, and the truth about what's happening on all areas of our lives that are assaulting us in our core institutions as the political agenda to undermine the Constitutional Republic of America has corrupted our churches, our courts, our hospitals, our schools and colleges, our medical care, our military, and has compromised our national security and our very survival as a free nation. Explore with our experts the truth about the experimental shots and supposed vaccines that have been unleashed on all of us without regulatory quality or safety oversight. And what is the truth about the way our core freedoms are being undermined in all areas of our lives? We have been assaulted by the weapon of fear. God does not give us a spirit of fear, so we are here to bring you truth, hope, and solutions against the lies and deceptions for just such a time as this to help you prepare to be resilient, to strengthen your faith, improve your health, and stand against the tyranny that is assaulting us. Check out our website, www.truthforhealth.org, and know that we are here to bring you the truth for just such a time as this. And now, here is your host for today's program. Welcome to the Whistleblower Report under the Truth for Health Foundation. This is Dr. Mike Eden, um, standing in for Dr. Uh, Lee Vliet, who has got a severe case of allergies and uh, laryngitis. She's on the call, uh, but she asked me just to lead off uh, introducing the team, uh, just to spare her voice. So, so got here Dr. Mike Eden in France today. Uh, we have Andrija Klaric, uh, you know, entrepreneur from uh, Croatia. Jonathan Gilthorpe, uh, uh, a scientist uh, living and working in Sweden. And uh, I think Mr. Roger Meacock, who was a 
veterinarian um, and also you know uh, involved in human human uh, therapeutics as well so uh you know with that uh, maybe Andrija, you could you know kick off with uh, whatever's on your mind and i know you've been <clears throat> exchanging information on excess deaths take it away well thank you mike hello everybody and it's a pleasure to be here with visible report again uh, yes well as you already know that uh, two members of uh, European Parliament from Croatia, Mr. Mistal Kolakusic and Mr. Ivan Vilibor Sinčić were the, in the first row of fighting against COVID tyranny. And I'm, I'm very proud because, you know, we are really small country. We have only 4 million inhabitants and uh, uh, European Parliament has uh, 701, I think, members of parliament and two of them are from Croatia who was fighting hard all the time. Uh, and now uh, Mr. Kolakusic just announced it, uh, last figures concerning the excess deaths. And it's strange that there is excess deaths in the countries that were highly vaccinated in the last two and a half years. And we have excess deaths in Croatia of 14.6%. Italy has 24.9%, Portugal 28.8%, Greece 31.2%, Spain 36.9%, Iceland 55.8%. And you know, it's very important to say that we already have three years of excess debts. That means after that time, these excess debts are even higher if you compare with the period from uh, before pandemic. And uh, the most vulnerable part of uh, inhabitants are already passed away, unfortunately, mm. during the pandemic. And now we have still excess deaths. And of course, there is a countries like Romania and Bulgaria. Romania has only 2.4% of excess deaths and Bulgaria 1.4%. And these two countries were the less vaccinated in this group. I can say that it's, it's a really strong uh, causation, but we can say there is a correlation, especially when we know at the same time for Croatia that we have the lowest birth rate already this year and in history of Croatia, even when we were part of Yugoslavia. That means more than 70 years of our history after Second World War, we have the lowest birth rate. At the same time, it's happening with excess deaths. And I know the case with United Kingdom is the same because I was listening, and all of them, maybe you were listening on the 20th of uh, October, it was um, in UK Parliament, Andrew Bridgen yeah. was talking about excess deaths. Yeah. And that's something that is very serious. We have to talk about it. Absolutely. So, uh, Andrija, you're absolutely right. Uh, and a British Member of Parliament, Andrew Bridgen, um, secured a short debate. It's called an adjournment debate at the end of the day of business. And I was present along with a few other people witnessing his excellence. Uh, and rather awful description of the, of the excess deaths in UK, and he did also uh, make mention of the fact that this is this was not unique to Britain. It was helping. It was happening everywhere where the, the population had been intensively vaccinated. Now, I know some people, Andrea, will um, 
they'll dispute these numbers and they'll point to something like Euro, Momo or their own official data and say, look, there's no increase. So uh, I, I am, I'm afraid, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, many, on many occasions, there's, I would say it's overt statistical trickery on behalf of you know national statistics bodies for multiple countries. You can't eventually hide the bodies, but seriously, sometimes they. Uh, I've seen things like this that if the cause of death was uncertain and was referred perhaps to a coroner, a sort of a quasi-judicial procedure. Uh, then you'll find the death is not recorded. Uh, it's held off and then reinserted once a particular process has been concluded. And, and so you can have very large numbers of deaths and they just simply uh, refer them to this you know, a process, which may or may not happen, but then they haven't broken any rules. Uh, but it was, those rules were never meant to be there to hide thousands of deaths. It was just you know, maybe one or two suicide overdose murder suspected cases but that's definitely been happening in britain so i'm just wonder do you know uh what could you be say to the listener uh that should give them confidence that, that what you've just said is is true and not a conspiracy theory for example well uh they can check by themselves because uh, as i said already we have excess that's after uh 2020 in Croatia, exactly, it was um, 56,000 deaths in 2020. That was a little bit more than average, five years average. Mm -hmm. And the main reason was after we made analysis, the main reason was uh, these lockdowns and things, what we had, you know, everybody remember in 2020. After that, that was much higher increase from... 57,000, we came to 65,000 mm. in 2021. And why in that moment was not decreasing? Because everybody get vaccinated. Not everybody, but more, more than 57% of Croatians went, yeah. get minimal one job, uh, one job, get 75%. But 57 was vaccinated during that year and it should be decreasing but it didn't and after yeah. that in 2022 mm -hmm. we still have excess deaths if we're comparing uh, with the average five years average before pandemic yeah. why in 2022 happened well this is a public uh, information and nobody can say and explain me what is really happening and nobody wants to go deep in this uh, information and question is why? Why didn't want yeah. to check it out? What is happening? Yeah. No, you're absolutely right to point all this out. Um, in Britain, for example, I know that excess deaths uh, are still elevated, despite the fact that most people who were vaccinated received their last jab maybe 18 months ago. Some people have had a top up, but but many people have not. And I I think unfortunately, one of the worst possible outcomes which we speculated about when these materials, these products were being brought forward. Uh, I and a couple of others, including uh, Dr. Wolfgang Vodag in Germany, we didn't predict numbers of deaths, but we said there are, there are numerous to us obvious uh, potential toxicities. We would expect toxicity of these three, three or four types. And unfortunately, they've all come true um, but that open letter that Wolfgang and I wrote 
1st of December 2020, widely distributed. It was censored everywhere except um, Dell Big Tree in America and Bobby Kennedy Jr.'s Children's Health Defense. So every other place we sent this open letter, it, we, 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 used, we sent it to about 500 news gathering organizations around the world using a commercial media uh, strategy company because I'd done this sort of stuff in biotech before. So I knew how to get news to the news desk. And I remember I actually felt quite sick when I realized the implication of uh, sending out 500 and only 498 were censored. So anyway, um, I just briefly, I would say that these injections are what have been described as toxic, toxic by design. And bottom line is it, it is absolutely clear to me as a 30 year plus person in so-called rational drug design, that these are intentionally harmful, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not even sure that they're, they would even pass muster as, as, via, as a vaccine. That's what they've called them. But, but they are materials that have been designed to bring about awful short, medium and long term side effects. And, and the physicians on this call, I know, Dr. Lee, is dealing with the consequences of these things, that we're not making this up. Um, people, Dr. Volg, Wolfgang Vodark, I think he had 30 years in public health. I had 30 years in, in research. Um, and we could see obvious, obvious problems. Um, and, uh, you know, th these are the effects, ladies and gentlemen. They're not, so then a last thing to say, and before I hand over perhaps to to Jonathan uh, or Roger, um, what was I going to say? So it, it's not only in, intentional, uh, but it's important that you know mistakes were not made. Uh, I'm seeing on TV and the newspapers that there's a bit of hand-wringing going on and, you know, some politicians saying, Maybe we, you know, react a little bit too strongly, or maybe we should have gone in even harder with lockdown. But these things happen, isn't it? Unfortunate in a crisis. But, ladies and gentlemen, in my view, no mistakes were made. These were intentionally uh, toxic, and the whole uh, ramming through of pandemic uh, responses, inappropriate, every one of them, like masking and lockdown, they were they were there to get you ready to roll your sleeve up. It's all been a psyop uh, followed by a poisoning. Anyway, um, thank you, Andrija, and maybe Roger or Jonathan. Jonathan's got his hand up. Would you perhaps take us on from here? Yeah, I'll, I'll just make a quick comment, Mike. Thanks very much, and welcome, uh, welcome myself to the show. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think one one important point in this is often used is Sweden as the case. You know, that didn't lock down allegedly. Well, they did actually introduce a lot of restrictions they didn't do a hard lockdown but they had a soft lockdown and it's often used as a case that the excess deaths in sweden aren't that high well you know it could also be the timing of when covid arrived versus the vaccination program but what what other countries are also seeing consistently is not increased in excess deaths it's a drop in the birth rate and in that regard sweden has just reported the lowest ever birth rate for the last 50 years and and that in a reduction in birth rate coincided precisely when people of a, a you know, women of a, a birthing age um, would have been, you know, eight to nine months after the vaccine was rolled out to them. So I think it's, you know, it's it's entirely plausible that the drop in birth rate is due to the vaccines and or the mRNA products, let's call them. 
And what also happened this week when that news came out, the health minister, Jakob Forschmed, which I think sounds like forced meds, uh, mm. suddenly announced that it was okay to vaccinate children from six months to 16 years, not with any medical reason, just because, uh, you know, they, they thought it was now safe. Mm. So, <clears throat> yeah, with that, <laughs> I just wanted to make that comment. It's not just excess deaths, it, it's live births, which are also plummeting. Yeah, I, again, uh, I'll hand over to Roger in a moment. But uh, like I said, the 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 conclusion we drew, and Dr. Lee and I have discussed this on this program and previously, that uh, it's not. I, I would say these these materials were designed to injure people, to maim some people. That is, they would have injuries that would not go away, to kill, uh, and also to reduce fertility. It, it's explicit. Uh, for example, uh, making your body manufacture something that doesn't belong in you uh, a non-self or foreign protein it is automatically followed by your immune system recognizing that something's wrong with those cells and killing it uh, and unfortunately the the so-called vehicle the thing with which these mrna products at least of are, are formulated lipid nanoparticles lnps we, we knew nine or ten years previously that that these have the property of accumulating in reproductive organs, especially ovaries, but I think also testes. So, I, I, it's it still has the power of shock when I when I read this out to you, when I say this to you. But we we like we realize this very early. These this is this is attack upon humanity. Um, it's not a mistake. Uh, they didn't overreact to a public health emergency. This has been designed for some time prior to 2020. So, Roger, I saw your hand up and uh, failed to call you. So maybe you could help us here. Hi, Mike. Thanks for the, for the introduction. I mean, it was a great segue from from Jonathan talking about Sweden there, because um, although I'm a, a vet, a veterinary surgeon, I I keep an eye on what's going on because my concern is uh, in the future, whether these mRNA products are going to be introduced into the veterinary field especially into the human food chain. And um, so I've recently come across uh, a preliminary paper that was published in uh, Journal American Medical Association in September 23. And it was a retrospective analysis of um, 760,000 Swedish um, uh, people and 330,000 in Denmark. And basically it was looking at the recipients of blood transfusions uh, relative to whether the people who had donated the blood had gone on to have a stroke. And what they discovered was that recipients of blood from people who'd gone on to have a stroke later on in life, they were also two to three times more likely to have a stroke themselves. Um, and the implication for this is that uh, something is transmissible mm. uh, in the blood transfusion um, and is obviously because they've given the blood and then gone on to have the, the the stroke later on in life. This is obviously present in the blood for, for quite a few years before the actual stroke event has happened. Um, and we know that cerebral amyloid angiopathy is a common cause of strokes. And it's been suggested that this might be the transmissible element, this amyloid. So fold, uh, protein misfolding um, amyloid is a protein and it can um, accumulate in, in organs such as the, the kidneys and the heart, of course, mm. um, and also in the vascular um, part of the, of the brain. Um, 
And so there are implications really for donors and recipients of blood um, where the donors had a COVID jab and potentially for future other mRNA products um, in, in, in the future as well, because, you know, we've highlighted and I highlighted in my open letter to the Veterinary Medicines Directive that I think there's an inherent danger with these mRNA platform yes. um, drugs. And so that although we focus at the moment a little bit more on the COVID situation, the, these risks are not going to be unique to COVID and the, the, the dangers, especially of prion formation, will be um, a potential future risk for all mRNA jabs in the future. So um, the implications are, that, and we also know that the spike protein lasts longer than um in some cases, many months. And although the majority of them might get uh, broken up and don't last that long, the fact that we do get some detection of uh, the mRNA and also the spike protein many months or weeks after the, after the jab, you know, there are implications that um, certainly in the UK, there is a two-week uh, gap after having been jabbed where, where people know. weren't able to give blood um but the you know can, that's obviously not long enough um and so mm. the implications for, for for donors are obviously that they might think that they've had no adverse reaction to the covid jabs now because nothing clinical has happened but clearly these people who are giving blood before had no clinical you know symptoms uh, and mm. no inclination mm. that they were going to go to have, have have something more dangerous later on in life themselves and of course the recipients um you know if 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 before covid there was a danger of of amyloid transfer which could cause um prion seeding uh, and strokes later on in recipients lives then you know all we're doing with these jabs is is amplifying that um that risk um you know there's a very famous paper that says there is no safe level of prion so if you are right. adding to the subclinical burden, it's just going to hasten, or my fear is it is just going to hasten the um, the advent of, yeah. of dementias and, and prion diseases later yeah. on in life. I think, I think you're absolutely right. And uh, although this isn't a field of expertise of mine, I remember one of our fellow scientists, it may well have been Dr. Jessica Rose, but may have been others who pointed out when they compared the the sequence that has been declared for these mRNA products, you know, what protein would it form? And it contains numerous peptides that apparently uh, would, would form what I would describe as a structural alert for uh, prion-type protein misfolding. Uh, I remember her calling this out, largely ignored, of course, because it's, it's quite esoteric, but she said that there are, are tools you can use uh, to look at um, what possible or the possible propensity of uh, novel peptide sequences to have this unwanted effect. Um, and yeah, I remember her saying that. And because it's not a field of expertise, I didn't, I didn't spot that as a potential additional magic ingredient, should we say. I mean, it's, it's, it's evil in, uh, ingredients that, that there's not been a public health emergency of this of a sufficient size to warrant the absurd upending of the world in 2020 i know we've had discussions back and forth about you know was there a virus you know was there not how did it spread where did it come from if there, if there was one but if you set that aside and just look at 
the excess deaths before uh, lockdowns and long before any vaccines, you'll find in, in most places, with the exception of New York and Northern Italy, there weren't any excess deaths. And I, I would say, um, appeal to common sense, that I think that meant there was not a severe, uh, you know, lethal to elderly and ill people pathogen passing through the community at that time. Uh, and But the more, most important thing is to know the authorities knew perfectly well what was going on. We only know what has been released and published and spotted, but they knew there wasn't a public health emergency, yet they locked us down, smashing the economy. There was never any potential benefit from these interventions. And at the same time, working with the Department of Defense in the US, the pharmaceutical companies, I, I think, have run cover for this um it's a global crime and there are multiple mechanisms for toxicity built into these injections and i implore people uh absolutely do not please subject yourself to any mrna based products i think as roger just said it's not just a, a hazard associated with their use i i think they are as it were unsafe at any speed i don't think they should be ever used in a mass market application for for that reason but they're, they, the people I call the perpetrators, they're coming at us again. They're talking of another pandemic. We know there are factories to manufacture billions of doses of these materials. And I'm imploring you to recognize that these are, this is a deliberate assault on humanity. And uh, although we are often talking science and medicine, this is a crime scene rather than a medical scene. That's That's an important thing to say. Uh, and not. yeah, and and just finally, uh, yes, uh, it's we we've come to understand that it isn't always even widely publicised what um, the a vaccine that you might be offered or your child might be offered what it consists of. What we do know is there is a, gene a general push to replace uh, pre-existing vaccines with these mRNA-based shots. I'm afraid that they're not shots, they're not vaccines, they're toxins. And if we fall for it, they're going to kill a lot of people. So, you know, God willing, this kind of testimony will alert more people and to give them the resolve to just stand aside and not just don't give in to this. Yeah, Mike, uh, just another one I want to throw into the pot, really, which is a, a thought that's just occurred to me. You know, obviously, we originally this paper suggests that maybe it could be prions which uh, are being transferred and set up. Uh, the future stroke situation, but I also wonder if spike protein is being transferred in a blood transfusion, whether that could also somehow seed some sort of autoimmunity, because we know that happens in in the people who've got the the, the, the proteins themselves. So if that gets transferred, you know, will will other will auto antibodies also be stimulated by by recipients of a blood transfusion but you know i'm no expert i just asked mm. the question but it's you know no, something it's, uh, maybe to, to to think about and uh, it's absolutely frightening it is it is horrifying because people had asked me about what my opinion was about so-called shedding that is if you were in proximity to someone else who had been jabbed and you had not yourself uh what did i think about the probability you could be made ill by that person. And I would say from toxicological first principles, it's unlikely because the amount that, that, that the vaccinated person gets that makes them ill, think how little of that dose could leave their body and enter yours. You know, seriously, even if you were intimate with them, what fraction of the dose were they that they were given could you end up in your body with? And 
And, and the answer is so low that I didn't think the phenomenon was possible. But I did say, I have a caveat. If this material is self-replicating, uh, and they haven't told us about that, then that would change everything. And what you've just been telling me makes me very concerned that there are yet other properties yet to, you know, to, be, to be uncovered. I think we need to... Uh, run into a break but you know we'll we may pick this up again after the break and then there are a few other things uh, to talk about uh i'll be able to give an update on costa rica court case and also uh, a really interesting uh two-day symposium held in germany uh this weekend to which i contributed so just take us well, into the break i want to thank all of you for your carrying the ball today as our listeners can tell my voice <laughs> is terrible this is Dr. Lee for America, and I just wanted to say good job on everything that you presented. I think it's very alarming that blood that is given to recipients and is not being screened for vaccination status may end up having all three kinds of toxicity, prions, spike protein, and lipid nanoparticle being transmitted in the blood, causing damage to the recipient. So I, I appreciate all the discussion today. This is Dr. Lee for America with uh, laryngitis, but we'll be right back after the break. And I'm thrilled to have our international team carrying the ball and bringing new data. Check out our website, www.truthforhealth.org. Lots of new initiatives, lots of new exciting information with our Truth for Health store and a new section on your financial health, how to escape the central bank digital currency control of your ability to protect your assets. We'll be right back after the break. Check out the new Truth for Health store at truthforhealthstore.com. We have exclusive professional formulas with exciting new products, including True Mitochondrial Boost that can help improve your energy, memory, focus, and concentration. All of our products are manufactured in certified compliant facility using good manufacturing practices approved and inspected by the FDA. Check us out, www.truthforhealthstore.com. Welcome back to the second half of the Whistleblower Report with our international team and We'll let Dr. Yeadon take the ball and continue the discussion with all of the new topics that we're bringing to light today. Thanks, Dr. Yeadon and Dr. Gilthorpe, Roger Meacock, and Andrea Klarich. All of your information is so urgently needed. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Lee. Yes, I think maybe we could just take a couple more minutes to uh, uh, you know, bring everybody up to speed with really what uh, has been discussed just before the break uh, with Roger Meacock talking about, uh, you know, there is a publication that shows that 
people who have received blood uh, from people who have been vaccinated and, and certainly went on to have a, you know, a cerebrovascular accident, the recipients themselves were at significantly elevated risk of, of such pathologies. And you will have heard us just running into the break. There's genuine consternation. It's, you know, it's something we knew was theoretical possibility, thought was relatively unlikely if this, even if this was a, a conventional kind of toxin, something because toxins like drugs uh, can, can, can be absorbed into the body, usually would be transformed in some way by your liver and other uh, enzyme containing organs and then eventually eliminate it. So classical pattern is if you survive uh, a, a toxicity that then the risk subsequently falls away with time, maybe never reaches zero. But here we've got something completely unexpected. It's And again, it shouldn't be there. This characteristic shouldn't be there. Someone's designed it in there, I'm afraid. That's the conclusion you draw. A um, couple of other things I've, I've learned that um, vaccine formulations, composition, uh, are allowed now to be changed without you having to be told. So, for example, if you take a flu shot, which I would not recommend, but if you do, uh, they could change the formulation and you might be receiving one of these these new materials, which I definitely wouldn't recommend. Um, and, uh, you know, there's all sorts of th all sorts of things that are you know very bad news. So um, anything else, Jonathan, to say on, on this particular issue? I'm sure we'll return to the uh, the whole scenario of excess deaths and these kind of toxin transfers, but take it away. Yeah, well, thanks, Mike. Um, yeah, I, I work on the prion uh, disease, or at least ALS, motor neuron disease, which uh, has a prion component to that. And if people aren't really aware what that is, this is a, a disease that is transmitted or amplified by a particular protein that's folded in a certain shape. So you could think of it as a napkin. I mean, uh, on the dinner table, all, all proteins in the body fold in a particular shape and their, their function, their job is dependent on the shape that they adopt. Uh, and let's say that your, your protein, your spike protein always look like a nice flat napkin and that's a non-toxic form of the protein. If it just happened to fold up into a, you know, a, an elegant flower shape, which sometimes we do on the dinner table to make it look rather nice, that particular shape could then take all the other napkins that are a nice flat shape and turn them into the same one. And this particular mm. form of the protein is very toxic. It, so it can template itself and it can turn all the other proteins to do the same thing or the, of the same type. And this is a, an unusual property. It's a very rare event, but once it happens, it's really difficult to reverse. And, and it probably happens in our bodies all the time at some very, very low frequency. But when you get a small seed, uh, particularly when you're older into the body and the right conditions for this unfolding and refolding process to happen, it just goes like wildfire. And that's why some diseases like Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease can go from just a first symptoms to somebody's dead within six months uh, and their mm -hmm. brain is turned more or less to a jelly. Uh, and and it's the, there are some very good studies from a Swedish group, actually, that have shown that the spike protein can do this, uh, yeah. it, especially if it's cleaved by something called neutrophil elastase, which is an enzyme that neutrophils. Those, these are immune cells that infiltrate inflammatory sites, uh, can release this enzyme, and that can chop the protein to form this uh, particular form that will now fold up into the nice, elaborate um, napkins on the table, which are very yeah. dangerous. 
<clears throat> yeah. So my my right. my hunch is that this is again not an accident. The uh, the degree of planning for the episode that we're living in, which as I said, clearly has a medical flavor and scientific underpinnings. It is a global crime scene. Um, I I don't believe this is accidental, Jonathan. I think that uh, there are no, just too not. many lines of evidence that makes me think someone has worked out three, four, five different ways of injuring people. Yeah, um, you, you're completely um, right, Mike. And I mentioned yeah. this on the show before a while ago that the lead author on, from Wuhan Institute of Virology that actually identified or allegedly identified SARS-CoV-2 and published it, he has a long history of working on prion-like diseases and prion oh, proteins. There you so go. I think the knowledge was already there. You, you're completely yeah. correct. There. Yeah. yeah. If I'm wrong, someone will sue me, and I don't think they will. Well, exactly. I, I have many times... Uh, accused named individuals, senior in pharmaceutical companies that I used to know I worked with, and I've accused them of uh, either complete incompetence or of uh, being an accessory before, during and after the fact of manufacture of these materials, which are intentionally harmful and have injured and killed many people. And, you know, I, I said, um, I want you to sue me if, if you think I'm unjust. And they haven't even injuncted me. So I'm free to repeat these statements, even though they've definitely been received by them, because I've heard through the back door that they have, they're not pleased. Good. Um, <laughs> guilty conscience. Why aren't they coming out and saying this is rubbish? You know, what, what is this former colleague of ours saying? In fact, they're not saying anything. One of one of them left their company. I meant, mentioned this a few months ago. They left, they left without announcing another job. And this is at levels uh, of seniority where, you know, I know that, deferred compensation would probably have been of the order of $10 million that he would be leaving on the table if you just leave. And he left. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, I'm, I'm afraid I've, I've known for some time that this is a crime scene and it's not mistakes have been made and maybe I'm making too much of this. It's, it's definitely a crime scene. And this mm. should shock everyone listening into trying to work out what else is going wrong because Here's, here's something that sounds a bit miserable, but it's meant to inspire you. Um, no one is coming to save us. So the, the planning that has been involved in this uh, would-be totalitarian takeover uh, is so extensive and has involved infiltration of, I would say, all important institutions. Um, and, and what that means is, you know, the police aren't going to arrest suspected criminals and courts aren't going to try them and uh, politicians aren't going to accuse each other correctly of, you know, uh, presiding over a public health disaster or whatever. Media are never going to tell you the truth. Um, but so, so that means we, and that includes you, the dear listener, we have to take action uh, because the people in your network, family, friends, work colleagues, people you care about who are not listening to this call, you're the only, you're the link person on earth who, who can reach them. You're the only person who can because they're not listening to me. I'm heavily censored. So are my colleagues. Media won't tell them the truth. It is a crime scene. So we can we can turn this over, but we need to have take courage um, and, and speak to each other. And again, also, just a, just a simple formulation. I would say this to you. If you follow what the government's telling you to do, and we are right, you're going to lose your liberty and then your life. If, on the other hand, you pay attention to what this group of experts is trying to tell you and we're wrong, 
the worst that will happen is you get laughed at. You know, they're not faintly in balance. Just thinking that through, I think, should impel you to take action. Because if you do what you're told and we're right, and we think we are, it's it's going to be over. No one's coming to save us. But we can do it individually, together, and by aligning ourselves to good principles you know, and to the good Lord. Absolutely, Mike. I... Uh... Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I think, is very sound advice. I mean, if, if we're just a bunch of lunatics, then we're not going to hurt you. But um, the government is definitely out to, to, to take your life if they can. And that's my, my uh, position, at least. Uh, I, I think it was, we, we got onto a good point here, which is about the in- interconnected of this thing, of this thing. And I think that's quite difficult for some people to really grasp. Um, because, you know, I don't, you know, unless you've really fathomed, this is a long-term agenda. By 2030, what is planned is a essentially a Marxist totalitarian takeover of the entire world and all the resources, everything you own, will be then owned by some kind of super state. Um, then it's it's really difficult to put all the pieces together. You know, the war in Ukraine, the the uh, the um, the war or the the fighting in in israel in palestine it it all doesn't really seem to fit but unless you then realize that what they need to do to bring this forward is to destabilize society more or less completely as they did in the bolshevik revolution in russia to bring in this new marxist system uh it it doesn't fit together but as soon as you see that that is what's happening everything yeah. suddenly makes sense yeah absolutely let me just mention picking up it's a very good theme thank you jonathan uh, lockdowns, for example, I can tell you that the what are called non-pharmaceutical interventions, NPIs, um, which have been considered for many years in so-called pandemic preparedness plans that every nation would have, they would consider what should, what would be best to advise the public to do if there was, say, a pandemic influenza. Um, and so they've considered all these things. I've read WHO's 2019 report where they considered one by one all the now unfortunately familiar interventions like lockdowns, masking, mass testing, border restrictions, school closures, business closures, etc. Every one of them was declared not worth doing, more dangerous than useful. Uh, And the only things that were ever recommended were, if you are unwell, please stay home and out of contact with others and wash your hands a little more often because we don't know, we'll never know what the transmission route is for a particular new pathogen, but all the other things not to be done. But what happened in March 2020, one country after another imposed a series of heavy-handed authoritarian restrictions, which I've just said were analysed even by WHO, who are not hands clean in this, and that they were useless, these measures. So why did they do them? Well, partly, uh, I think, in order to damage the economy, that it's important for them to destabilize, as Jonathan said, society, I think, at the financial and economic end. So that they definitely had that effect. Most countries were in distress and now they're in severe distress. Uh, another thing, the objective from lockdowns and frightening you and instructions and stuff like that was to get you ready to roll your sleeve up in the autumn and into the winter. And 5.7 billion people did. It's fake. It's an assault, and please don't do it again. And so if we hear that lovely Mr. Gates or a WHO chairman saying there's another pandemic, they are lying. 
And if we go to ground and do what we're told, it you know it will be over for, for free humanity because they're close now to a point of of crushing the economies at will. And they'll say, oh, you know, this is through all the spending that's been necessary. Unfortunately, we've now destroyed full faith and credit in each of the sovereign nations' currencies. Uh, but don't worry, we've got a solution. I, I think they're going to do something like that. So they'll do it again uh, to destabilize the economy, and they'll do it again to see if they can persuade you yet again to roll your sleeve up. Because th this um, these evil people have have mass murder on on their mind. And if anyone thinks this is crazy, you just need to look at the history of the 20th century to realize what a long list of people have there have been more than capable of this if only they had the power. Well, I'm afraid now they do have the power and it's communications and IT, you know, computing. So you know, these people are not uniquely evil. They're as evil as the last few in the 20th century. What's different is the scope of their power to, to in, interfere with our lives um and so we need to we need to fight them you know by very least not doing what they're telling us because they don't have our best interests in in mind uh and i think you can we feel we can see the writing on the wall uh, they will do their best to encourage maybe mandate that you have a digital id to destroy the economy uh and currency and, and replace it with electronic money governed and surveilled and controlled centrally by the government uh, and, and as I say, remove cash. And at that point, um, you just need a little imagination to realize that if they want to say, look, you can't, you can't go further than two miles from your home because we say so, and you're three miles, when you try and present your CBDC card, uh, the cash register will realize that you're out of, out of limits and you won't be able to buy anything. And they won't need to make it personally. It'll just be an algorithm that says, you know, if location of would-be customer is at, you know, greater than X, whatever the number is, decline transaction. So it's so simple and so evil that uh, I, I would just say, <laughs> go back to do the most old-fashioned things you can, you can do. Um, um, you know, use money at every opportunity. Certainly talk to people every opportunity. What, see what do they think is going on in the world. Uh, I, I think electron, electric vehicles is another trap. Uh, they geofence people. Uh, they're also controllable remotely. There's much talk in my country, Britain, of 15-minute cities, and I'm nowhere not alone. I mean, 15-minute cities sounds like a prison camp, doesn't it? Well, if we let them have the digital power to control whether we can enter and leave places and use money, which would happen if they have us carrying mandatory ID and cashless central bank money. Uh, all those things I've just said will come to being, come to be. Um, and the plot is so diabolical because, you know, evil people have thought about it over many years, certainly many decades, I think. So is there, I've just got uh, two other updates I can bring. Um, first Roger had his hand up, mate. Oh, I'm Roger. sorry, Roger. Yep, I'm sorry, I failed to notice you. Roger, please contribute. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Um, I'm just sort of coming in to back you up what you've just said there, because certainly those who are listening from Europe may not be aware that uh, the EU Parliament pushed ahead with digital identity um, wallets uh, formation on, on that pathway to, to, to 
you know, doing that. And they chose to ignore all the warnings that were coming in from all the security people about it. Um, and we should also be aware that back in, I think it's 2021, the um, European Court of Human Rights um, passed a ruling saying that uh, there was some, in that case, it was some Czechoslovakian children who, who who were trying to avoid having vaccinations. And they made a decree which basically said that, um, you know, if, if in a democratic society, some vaccinations could be made mandatory. So, you know, the, some of those grounding rules have already been put in place. And, um, you know, we get distracted by what's going on in other parts of the world um, and in other areas of, of function. Um, and we, we sort of forget and, and take our eye off the ball that this sort of digital identity and, you know, th these human rights are already being, you know, overshod. And, um, you know, we, we, we're just on the verge of, of the WHO International Health Amendments. Mm you know, coming into fruition uh, and then the pandemic treaty after that as well. So, you know, it's all, it's all coming together. So whilst people might think that what Mike has just said sounds a little bit, you know, sensationalist and, and OTT, you know, once you consider all these other um, measures that have already been put in place and rulings which have already, you know, created case law in, in terms of the European Court of Human Rights, you know, it's, you know, you can't be too... Um, Two mm -hmm. on the ball at this point in time. Yeah, thank you. No, I agree. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm often conscious that the further we call it down the rabbit hole, the more you work out what's going on, the more distant one sounds to people who have not yet uh, understood the, the threat we face. Uh, but but I would say I've been a professional scientist all my life. I was I was quite successful commercially in big companies and as an independent uh, an entrepreneur. I have no history whatsoever of getting involved in, quotes, conspiracy theories uh, or campaigns of any kind. This is the first campaign I've ever been involved in. And I started doing it because it was right in my wheelhouse of respiratory and drug design. And and it's all a fraud designed to achieve you know, the goals, control, control of us. And I'm afraid, I think, also you know, to depopulate. Um, and uh, however mad it sounds, I think that's that's what's happening. And I urge people to uh, keep their eyes wide open, but certainly to talk to people. Uh, so just real quick, then, as we come towards the close, uh, there was a case brought uh, in a superior court in Costa Rica based on uh, an affidavit that I filed in 2021, I think it was. So it's it quite out of date. You know, the, my thinking had, had moved on um, and we were encouraged that a judge was willing to hear an appeal uh, uh, to strike down the COVID vaccines in, in children, you know, six months to five years. Uh, in We didn't succeed, um, but we didn't succeed not because our case was, was weak. We failed because this was purely a procedural uh, public law matter. And we had not got the grounds because the government had introduced a number of decrees uh, which postdated that, that the affidavit. And so it turned out in the end, the government hadn't done anything that uh, procedurally was wrong per our submitted claim. But you could tell from the judge's words that basically she knew these products should be off the market and urged uh, the interest of justice team uh, to bring a, a full case because as she said, you have 
extensive evidence of problems. So we we take some encouragement. Also, there were multiple uh, you know groups associated with government, you know, licensing, vaccine regulation, and so on. And uh, only one out of the four even took us to task about our, our assertion that these were not vaccines. Only one of them made like a mild attempt to pretend they were, and the others just stayed completely mute, <laughs> even though they commented on other matters. So we'll go again. It may be some weeks or months. Uh, and then last thing from me, I definitely think it's uplifting, and I found it so. There is a party, a political party called Alternative for Deutschland, in Germany, uh, which has uh, basically it's not it's not associated with kind of the center ground of uh, what has become corrupted uh, politics in Europe. Uh, and I think they're closer to their electorate than other parties. And they're certainly their voting percentage has gone, I think, from six percent to high teens, something like that. I think they have 80 something members of parliament, nine MEPs, of which one is this famous fiery lady christine anderson if you haven't seen christine anderson speak you really must go and look her up um anyway the that party arranged a two-day symposium that just wrapped up just before this call and uh i couldn't believe how many people were in the room you know all of the elected politicians almost a hundred of them if we think we've got andrew bridgen in the uk westminster parliament had almost a hundred elected representatives listening to me and about 10 other people. Uh, and more than that, I think there were another 200 people in the room who I think would be like uh, you know, party officials, people who helped the party in their constituencies and so on. And so I just gave a 20-minute summary of what I thought had happened and where we were going. And, and at the end, having called them to arms, as it were, called them to a action, saying that if you follow the government and I'm right, we're going down. But if you take your courage in, in your hands, we can fight them off. Uh, I, I thank them very much for their attention. And then there was a long silence. And then it turned out someone had muted my speaker. And when they turned it back on, they were still on their feet. <laughs> I almost cried. They, I was on my feet and they were clapping. Um, so I hope I can get hold of this broadcast and especially with the response, because to an extent, I think to a great extent, people wouldn't clap if they thought I was mad. If I had painted a picture that pulled it together for them, and suggested what we can do together, maybe that's the the reason for the for the response. So, I, I want to thank everybody um, uh, for the contributions, and I uh, want to close out the show by, by thanking all of you for for listening and and looking at the website and the and the shop. Uh, and also, we we thank our our, our dear founder and host, uh, Dr. Lee. Um, and hopefully, you'll you'll hear her as she closes the show. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for joining us today on the Whistleblower Report from Truth for Health Foundation. Check out our website, www.truthforhealth.org. Join our crusade. We are silent no more. We urge you to sign up for our email alerts, donate to support our legal defense work to secure the human and civil rights secured by law and to live our lives in accordance with the U.S. Constitution and God's truth. We are here to bring you hope and solutions for such a time as this. 
with all that is assaulting our way of life, join us and stand strong against the lies and deception and speak out, get loud, get involved. God bless you. And thank you for joining us.